Hello, my beautiful friend, and welcome back to the podcast. On today's episode, you get to chat with me. I'm going to be talking all about how money management became my love language. And I know it doesn't sound like it's going to be super exciting, but listen, if you've ever found yourself in a scarcity mindset, if you've ever found yourself feeling like, oh, I'm so poor, or I need more money, or things of that nature, or running your up your credit card bill, this is going to be the episode for you. So yeah, let's just jump right in because I'm super excited. Welcome to Squidge, the place for conversations about confronting the squidgy feelings that make us want to cry, cringe, quit, and create chaos. It's in this squidgy space that we can choose to either empower ourselves to move closer to our authenticity or revert back to our old ways of thinking and being. My name is Terry Hofford, and as a body image educator, creative podcaster, and author, I am no stranger to experiencing squidginess in both my personal and professional life. And I'm so excited to have you here as I bring you episodes featuring my own experiences with the squidge while also introducing you to some of my amazing friends who have empowered themselves through their own squidginess to achieve great things. From topics ranging from body image to entrepreneurship to motherhood to travel, there is something here for anyone who is, well, human. So when we think of saving, budgeting, and finances, it can be hard to think that it would become a love language. But for myself, I realized if there's such a thing as financial abuse from a partner, then was it possible that my lack of money management was my own version of financial abuse towards myself? And if so, how could I show myself more love by taking it upon myself to clean up my money mindset? Because... At the end of the day, we do live in a capitalistic society, and as much as I wish we didn't need to rely on it, the reality is that we do. So by taking things into my own hands and really reworking my money mindset, I found a new way to love myself that I didn't think was possible. So when I was younger, I was fantastic at saving up my pennies and nickels to buy myself whatever item I desired, whether it was a three-tier CD player, a handful of books and activity sets from Scholastic's Book Fair, or the newest copy of Teen Bop magazine. I had my own money, and I spent it on whatever I wanted. I had my little Fisher-Price pig securely taking care of my money, and I would look for ample opportunities to make money, like I'd help my family with the market garden, I'd submit crafts to the rodeo fair for judging, uh, I was always the kid who in the car would be quiet the longest so I could make a dollar or two, and we also had this thing in our family where if you did the laundry and somebody left money in their pocket, that money became yours. So I started to do laundry more often. I also remember that time when I was, our family was on the drive to Winnipeg from our hometown, and I guess we must have been chatty Cathy's in the back seat, and my mom and dad promised, hey, whoever 
like as quiet as the longest, I'll give you $2. And I remember being so quiet and staying focused on what it was that I wanted to buy, thinking that that $2 would get me this glittery pair of Wizard of Oz shoes um, that clearly they were a little more than $2, but I couldn't afford them. But I remember staying focused, so focused on the goal of what I wanted that I did not talk for the rest of the trip. And I always had that, like, I guess that's the achiever in me that is very good at being like, I want this thing, so I'm going to go get this thing. And I learned a lot of that behavior because I was watching my mom, who was working hard at multiple jobs, doing things she loved while scrounging pennies to make them last a long time, while my dad toiled away bringing in money from the field. But here's the thing. What I didn't see was the bill collectors calling, the stressed out conversations between mom and dad about spending money on cases of beer when they were behind on credit cards, or the reality of the money situation my family was in. My parents did a relatively good job at shielding us from that. But the thing about kids is that they don't just need to see it because they end up feeling it and interpreting it in their own way. So just because I didn't see it doesn't mean I didn't feel it. As I got older and my dad moved away to take a job in the city to make more money, I realized my own money habits began to change. Because think about it. My dad moved away to make more money as a, I don't even know how old I was, probably 15 year old in my fully underdeveloped brain that would, in my brain, it would say, oh, he's leaving because money's more important. So already I start associating, um, making money with abandonment. So looking back, perhaps it was in an effort to feel like I was closer to my dad since he was physically moved away, but I began to adopt his money style. And this included poo-pooing wealthy people, never seeing the possibility of abundance, always seeing what wasn't there, being so uncomfortable with money that it would get spent as soon as it came in. And I think it's important for me to do specify that this isn't to blame him because he obviously adopted his own money habits from somebody else. But the thing is, I believed everything he was doing and I wanted to be close to him. So I adopted his behaviors. And so this just gives me context for my own money mismanagement. I can see uh, reflections of my behaviors with his behaviors. So then when he died, the ultimate distancing of our relationship, I think I felt that if I could mimic his behaviors, I could keep him with me. But here's the thing. He was a good dad and I know he wouldn't actually want that for me. So why did I want that for myself? Well, Probably because that version of my money mindset occurred during my most formative years, uh, between like 16 to 27. That's when my dad moved away. That's when, um, you know, you're younger, so you're spending money anyways. You don't think about consequences. And then in that time frame was also when my dad died. Um, and so there was a lot of abandonment type experiences happening and it was traumatic as hell. So shortly after my dad died, I ran away to Scotland with less than $800 in my bank account and a dream to make money while abroad as a nanny. But here's the thing. I was already in the mindset that, oh, I don't care how much money I make just as long as it keeps me, you know, keeps me going. So I was never looking to make more than because I associated 
excess or more than as being something negative. So I was like, well, if I'm going to make money, it should be just enough to cover my bases and then I'll be happy as if I should be grateful for that. And that was definitely my dad's mindset. It was here, though, in Scotland, where the credit card that I had signed up for in university came to haunt me. So listen, this is just a little side note. If you are a parent and you have kids in university, please, 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 please talk to them about the predatory nature of credit card companies on campus. You know, I signed up for a credit card because they were offering a hat. You know, I wanted the hat, so I got a free, so I got a credit card. So like, I didn't know, I didn't have financial literacy. So I want to encourage you just as a side note on this in the name of self-love and instilling self-love into your children, teach them how to critically think about the uh, predatory credit card companies on campus. Okay. All right. Anyways, the thing was when I signed up for that credit card, it became my ticket to freedom to escape my feeling of grief. And in some ways it did allow that to happen. And so I kind of had the right idea that money does equal freedom. I was just going about it in the wrong way. I was using it in a way that while it helped me survive something traumatic in my life, it was an escape. It was a coping mechanism, right? So after another 13 plus years of jumping job to job, living paycheck to paycheck, regardless of how big those paychecks were, I was always just scraping by, spending money on shit I didn't need to impress folks I didn't like, as they say. For example, I bought a house. I don't care to buy houses, but when I was, I think I was 26 maybe when I bought my first house, and in that moment I remember thinking, well, this is what an adult does. When they have money, they buy a car, which I do love that I got my car, to be honest. Yari stayed with me for a long time. But the house was something I bought because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. So already I was spending money on things that were out of alignment with who I wanted to be in that moment. And that should have been a red flag. But you know what? In your 20s, there's a lot of red flags that we tend to ignore. <laughs> so the way that I financially abused myself was keeping myself poor so I could continue to have something in common with my dad and with the folks that I spent time with. This is really important and I don't think a lot of people recognize it, but again, I've probably said this quote on here, but one of my favorite quotes is that you are the equivalent of the five people you spend the most time with. And at that time, I was hanging around with other people that also had a scarcity mindset. And so the fear of abandonment rose up again that as soon as I would start to make money, my friends would make fun of me or they would say that I was becoming someone they didn't recognize or that I was acting like I was better than everyone else. This was their interpretation of somebody with more money. And because I was in my young 20s, I believed them. So because I didn't want those people to abandon me either, I had to get rid of that money as soon as it came in because lack of money actually equaled love in my eyes. And so one of my favorite questions to ask when I coach people is the thing that you're doing that you don't like that you're doing, but you keep doing, what, how is it protecting you? What is it keeping you safe from? So 
in this case, for me, I felt that by keeping myself poor or, you know, in the same spot as everyone else, I was trying to keep myself safe emotionally. I was trying to prevent myself from feeling left behind or abandoned. But then about five years ago, I realized that if I wanted to run an actual business, I would need to see where my money was leaking out, so to speak. And guess what? It was leaking everywhere. <laughs> oh, man. Ugh. I was spending money at a faster rate than I was making it, trying to create an illusion because I didn't think that I was enough. But I needed people to think that I was enough by having all these things. So spending my money kept me safe in two ways, or at least this is what my subconscious thought. Number one is it made sure that my friends and family wouldn't think that I was trying to be better than them, and therefore they wouldn't leave me. This is what my brain said, right? And number two, it made sure that people would like me more if I had just the right stuff, the right amount of stuff, or could buy things for them. So this is what I talk about uh, in almost every interview that I've done with people that are business owners, so that there is no better thing than running a business to bring all your bullshit to the, to the top. And so when I looked uh, during the pandemic, I looked at my stuff at the studio and I was just like, why do I have all this stuff? Uh, and I realized that I kept buying new things, better things, different furniture, different wardrobes, because I didn't think I, as a photographer, as a creative, as an artist, was enough that I needed to have fancy shit to make people like me more. Uh, and I see people get caught up in this a lot now. So that's why I do education through like the empowerment for everybody to help people get back in alignment with who they want to be. So these were the stories, though, that I was telling myself to stay safe. And listen, they did work in that way because there's, I always say there's comfort in the discomfort. Did I like the feeling that looking at my bank account brought up because I knew it was just like teetering on the edge of being in the red? No, God, no, that was so uncomfortable. But that discomfort was there from the time I was a kid when my mom and dad would be fighting. My body felt the same. And so to me, I interpret that as, oh, okay, you can be uncomfortable, but this is love because this is what you recognize. But I realized that it wasn't actual safety. It was stuckness. I could see other folks making money and living the lives of their dreams, at least the way they wanted to show us. But this time I was seeing that money could truly become freedom because people would be doing things and not apologizing for it. They were traveling a lot, especially women. This is also important. Women have been left out of the conversation of finances for a very long time. I mean... You know, uh, one of my favorite podcasts to listen to is Financial Feminist. I highly recommend it because we need to start getting our money. This is one of the best ways for us to slay the patriarchy, to actually make our money and live the dreams and life that we want. So the thing was, I got to see that money was freedom and it wasn't borrowed money. Yeah, sure. I'm sure people were using credit cards um, to book certain things because you get points, but then they'd be able to pay it off because they had the money coming to them. It was money that flowed to them easily. It was money that they saved easily. It was money that belonged to them because they knew 
that they deserved it and they weren't afraid of what other people would think if they had this money. And so I started to expand kind of my circles and hanging around with people that saw what money could do for the good to override the stories that my brain was telling me about the bad things that making more money would do. So these people that I was following and looking at and watching and reading from, they knew that safety was important for surviving, but safety rarely gives us the opportunity for thriving. And so they, and through their writing, their podcasts and things like that, I was encouraged to start thinking about like, Again, not just making what I needed to make to barely get by, but rather what would it look like if I had excess and what would it mean if I had excess? Who would I become if I had excess? And my brain automatically went to the squidgy feelings of, oh, well, then you'd be greedy. That isn't my story. That was somebody else's story. Because here I was watching these other people that had what we would consider to be excess money. And they were doing so much good in the world. They were able to expand their businesses to make a bigger impact. They were able to reach more people. They were able to travel to different countries to spread their message of empowerment in whatever form that was for them. And they were able to do this because money gave them the freedom. And so I realized that I was now in a space where I was using money as a form of punishment. I was keeping myself poor and keeping myself poor was keeping me from being my truest self. Spending money on shit that had no value or wasn't in alignment with me was keeping me hidden, keeping me covered, and keeping me safe in some aspects. I didn't need to get new friends. I didn't, you know, risk, I wasn't risking pissing off family members or being called greedy. So I was able to stay safe in that regard, but it also kept me feeling small. I realized that if I had true unconditional love for myself, I would give myself the actual gift of freedom. I would support myself in being wealthy just as I had supported myself through being poor. I would allow myself the opportunity to have abundance and provide for myself. I would encourage myself to have more, be more, and do more, just like I do for everyone else. Not to say that I was better than others, but so that I could take care of myself in the event that something, anything, happened. So that I could provide actual security and allow myself to live this beautiful life and be the creative, multi-passionate human I am and not stress about my bills. I wouldn't have to stick with a job that like stick with a job longer than was necessary simply because I needed the money coming in because I would have set myself up to be financially free and secure. And here's the thing, money and love are heavily intertwined. And when it's being a form of punishment or safety, there are two ways that I tend to see this manifest. So either both financial health and love health are in the pits together. So, you know, you're, we're not, dating the best people for us, plus we're spending our money left, right, and center. Or one is doing great at the sacrifice of the other. And so when I first was like in my 20s, it was definitely both things were in the pits. 
But then uh, when I started running my business, it was one or the other. So in my case, when I had strong relationships, I had poor financial health because I thought finances would take away my relationships, right? Again, I was fearing abandonment. So when I did improve my financial situation, my relationships did begin to suffer because that was the story I told myself. I didn't think that I was deserving of both love and money. I thought you either had to have love or money. And this caused a lot of issues because I, it was like full gas on making money or full gas on having relationships. And then I would be stressed out in either capacity. And for somebody that's a Libra, that doesn't fly super well. But the thing was, this was a story I had since I was young. Now, some folks have a different story. One where they don't believe they are deserving of love or financial security. And that's who I used to be when I was in my 20s because of my body image insecurity and all these things. I didn't think I deserved love or financial security. Once I got my body image uh, under control a little bit and understood that, hey, maybe my body's not the problem and I'm worthy of love regardless of what this meat sack looks like, then it was or. It was either financial or it was love. So in this case, uh, when I first started, I was rejecting both things and now it is more of one or the other. Well, I'm getting through the second one. So they tend to have a hard time receiving love and money and will settle for the bare minimum. Again, we can't ask for more than what we think we're worth. And so if we get more than what we think we're worth, we will get rid of it. We'll sabotage a relationship. We'll spend our money. We'll do all these sorts of things. But what we don't realize is that there are always more than just two stories. Multiple things can be true at the same time. And so I've worked hard over the last two to three years to rework this story that I could have one or the other. And I created a new story that says I can be wealthy and I can have strong relationships. This new story has helped me seek out friendships and relationships that aren't predicated on my bank account just like they aren't predicated on how my body looks. This has made a huge difference because I know now that regardless of how much money I make or don't make, I will be safe. I will be loved unconditionally at the very least by myself. And so this is how I started to look at money management as a love language for myself. It can't be something I do every now and then, but rather it's something I get to do daily to remind myself that I am worth it all, love and money and freedom. And so are you. All right, if you want more guidance and love and support and all that good stuff, I'd love for you to come join me at the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Terry Hofford, uh, or just follow me on Instagram as well. Sometimes I'll drop some nuggets there, but the real benefit comes from existing in a community of like-minded folks that are trying to redo these stories and navigate through the squidginess of life. All right. Thank you so much, my friend. And I will see you next week with a new interview. Bye.